please open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. And please stand with me as we read God's Word today. We're going to read verses 19 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And Lord God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. We are uh, constantly reminded of the foolishness of not living up to our words. Of saying one thing but doing another. And it's always easier to see that in someone else's life. Uh, For example, the other day I was on the phone with a company, and I was treated somewhat rudely, and I was kept on hold for a while, While this song was playing in the background, you're number one with us. You always win. We care about you. They didn't live up to their promise, their purpose, their mission, their objective. Now, we've all seen the damage done by broken promises and empty professions in every realm of human experience and interaction. In friendships, in families, in communities, in nations, and even in our own lives. As a group of people who love Jesus, who've banded together as a church, there's the temptation to say we believe one thing and do another. Now, a few weeks ago, you may remember, I hope, maybe, that I preached a sermon entitled, The Threefold Way of Life, What Every Christian Needs to Want. And we saw these three exhortations from this passage we read this morning. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider. Now, what I want to do, I want to do something a little different for the next three weeks. I want to take a closer look at each one of these things. And you know I'm usually pretty much a verse-by-verse kind of guy. We're going to do a little bit different this next three weeks. Now, we're going to follow a simple format, though, okay? We're going to ask four questions of each of these three things. We're going to ask, what is it? That's the theory of it. Uh, What does it look like in practice? What hinders us? That's the challenges. And what are the benefits? What are the blessings of, of living as individuals and families and as a church in these ways? Now you'll notice they build upon one another. And I wanna I wanna give a word of caution because I know I'm I'm apt to do this a lot. What it is in theory is the theology of it. It's the objective truth of it. And what it is in practice, what it looks like, while our our living needs to flow out of our beliefs, we need to be, be careful that we don't elevate our practices to the level of doctrine. 
Because our practices are subjective, our doctrine is objective. And so I want us to be very aware of that. That the, the-, the theory is really the-, the theology of it, the objective truth. And then what it looks like in practice will be something completely different. Though it's based upon it. And let's be careful we don't elevate those. Because I know I have a tendency to do that. Now, I have three primary reasons for for doing these three messages in the next three weeks. First of all, to remind us of our purpose as a church. Our stated purpose to to, uh, worship God and to build up believers and to reach others for Christ. So to remind us, because we need to keep that before ourselves all the time. It needs to be in the forefront of our minds. So we don't fall into the trap of saying one thing and doing another. Another thing I want to do is cast vision more specifically I want us to recommit ourselves to our purpose as a church, and I also want us to be inspired by God to what could be. And then there's a third thing. I want to define some ministry concepts more, more clearly as they relate to age-integrated, multi-generational life and ministry, which I believe is really the ministry of the church, the ministry of the body of Christ. So we're looking at the, the Christ-centered life, family, and church and the first thing we want to look at is the phrase, let us draw near, found in Hebrews 10.22. So first of all, what is it? And in Hebrews 10.22, it says to us, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. Now, to understand it more clearly, we need to understand what it means to draw near. What is this? To draw near means to approach. It's pretty self-explanatory. It means to come to. To go somewhere. And, and the people that are being addressed are being encouraged to come to God, to approach God. So drawing near to God equals worship. Plain and simple. Worship. Now this section of scripture starts in our life of worship. And all that it means. Now earlier in this chapter, in verses 1 through 18 of Hebrews 10, it showed that there had been a revolution in worship for the Jewish Christians that were being written to. Gone in one fell swoop were animal sacrifices, the temple priesthood, and the rules and regulation of the temple. The revolution was one of theology. It was one of truth. It was one of belief that God used to transform their lives and their hearts. Calvary changed everything. Now, through that one sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, believers are set apart as holy people. Due to the power of the event of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, they're being sanctified, set apart for God's use. And such people are a revolution in and of themselves. And so they need revolutionary worship to match. Being transformed by God's grace. Now what do you do when you see a sign in the road that says keep out or no entrance? I know what some of you do. You go. You go in. But most of us, I mean, come on, most of us. We see a sign that says keep out, no entrance. We don't go, right? We go where we, can, where we have entrance. Now there's a reason usually for, for those keep out signs and those no entrance signs. Well, there had been a sign over all pre-Christian worship. And it said, no entrance. No entrance. 
See, the difference between B.C. and A.D. was enormous. Is enormous. Before Christ, all was a shadow pointing to a coming reality. Sacrifice had to be repeated over and over and over again, demonstrating that nothing of lasting value had really been accomplished, just temporary. Temporary cleansing. Now, the old way of worship had its value for its time. It showed in a symbol how sinful sin was, how God's answer was that of shedding blood for forgiveness. But there was no lasting assurance, no lasting forgiveness. And what was true before Christ is still true for those who are not in Christ. There is only one way out. Jesus Christ, the only way. The scripture is dominated by the person of Jesus Christ, and aren't we glad? And Christ's work is finished. The cross, always the center of the discussion. The work is finished. The Father accepted Christ's sacrifice on the cross as full payment for the sins of all mankind. And so we are now free to draw near and worship God. Now Christians are a worshiping community. And worship is the most popular thing we do. Think with me for a moment. Worship. Our purpose as a church points to it. The first stated purpose, worship God. Our vision statement points to it as well. It's in our bulletins every week. Become a worshiping body of biblically equipped believers who effectively reach our world for Christ. Through relationships. Worshiping body. Our ministry thrusts that are listed on the back wall. Go look at them after the service. It says, we desire to pursue God, to pray and to worship with expectant hearts, obedient hearts. So I'm not calling you to something new. I'm calling you to what we've stated as a purpose, as a church, that we want to do as individuals and families and a local body of believers. We're to draw near to God because we're unable to do so in Christ. Before Christ, the way was barred, there was no entrance, but in Christ, the way is open to God's presence. Praise God. And we were made to acknowledge the one who made us and sustains us, and Jesus gives us the ability to do that. Now, another way to state this idea of drawing near to God is that worship is voluntary movement towards God. Worship is voluntary movement towards God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the most amazing phenomena is that is happening right this moment all over the world? You know what it is? It is Christian worship. There are more people gathered today for Christian worship than there are on all the golf courses and in all the football stadiums. And though we gather to worship and we do it imperfectly, nonetheless, we gather. The most popular activity in all the world is Christian worship. It's amazing. And it's revolutionary, and it's all because of Jesus. You can say amen to that. It is all because of Jesus that we can come right now to worship God. And not just right now as a body, but every moment through our day. Every moment we can lift our hearts to God. 
because Jesus opens the way for us. Worship is voluntary movement towards God. It's an activity we engage in. And so a believer's approach to God is made possible because he or she has been cleansed by Jesus. It's the single most popular act in the world. And then worship leading, such as Charlie does so well, worship leading is not a, a you know, pathetic attempt to get apathetic worshipers off their rear ends to do what they're supposed to do. Not what it is. It is not a eat your vegetables kind of proposition. It's more like, here's your steak. Or for me, here's your salmon. Line caught. Worship is our life. So we want to do it. It's not eat your veggies because they're good for you. It's here's your food for your soul that you love, that you desire, that you want. Psalm 63.3, my lips will praise you. Psalm uh, Philippians 4.8, if anything is worthy of praise, think on those things. Okay, let's think on Jesus, first and foremost. A Christian, Augustine said, should be an alleluia from, from head to foot. An alleluia from head to foot. Now, worship is something else as well. It's expressing our need for God. It's movement towards God, and it's expressing our need for God. When we worship, we're expressing that we need Him. We need God, that we want godly character, that we want to grow spiritually. Now, the Psalms, and they bled and expressed need for God. Look at Psalm 145. Let's look at a couple Psalms. I love the Psalms. I love the fact that David was so honest with God. And I love the fact that God just, just did miracles in David's life left and right, but he didn't always deliver him out of the trouble. He delivered him through in the midst of the trouble psalm 145 i will extol you my god O king i will bless your name forever and ever every day i will bless you and i will praise your name forever and ever great is the lord and highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable look at verse four one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, on the wonderful works, I will meditate. Look at Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Flip over to, uh, go back to Psalm 62. I love these words. Worship is expressing our need for God. My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. Look at verse 5. My soul wait in silence for God only. Speaking to his soul. My soul, wait for God. Wait in silence. Verse 8. Pour out your heart before him. Look at Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. To you I lift my hands. 
We need to acknowledge and adore and honor and bow down before God. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness endures forever. So we express our need for God in worship. We do something else too. Worship. Worship is a way of life. It is a way of life. It's not just a thing we do once in a while. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Where they were to live it and share it and pass it on. Deuteronomy 6. It's the classic passage that always gets quoted when we talk about parenting things. But this is for the body. And for all the families that comprise the body. Look at chapter 6 verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. That you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. Ah, don't miss that. So that you and your son and your grandson, generation after generation after generation, to be passing on the faith. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. It's a way of life. Verse 3, O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. The Shema, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. In verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and on your frontals, on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And it's a way of life. It's to be passed on from generation to generation. We're to talk about Jesus. We're to take the word with us. We're to live in Christ. We're we're to talk and to write them and to, to share them continually as a way of life. Think about Exodus 20, verse 8. One of the commandments. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? Whose responsibility was that? To, you know, live it out? The head of the household. The head of the household. And men, and I know some of the women here are heads of households as well in your house. Let me talk to the men and other heads of households. We are to lead. We are to risk. We are to step out of our comfort zone We are not to relinquish or abdicate our privilege and responsibility to lead our family, to lead them in the word, to lead them to trust God, to lead them to know the mighty acts of God in our life. We're to share it. We're not to ignore it. We're not to abdicate or relegate it to someone else. But there are a lot of men who have just sat back and let it happen. Let someone else, let the church do it once or twice a week. That's not enough. That's not a way of life. It's got to be continual. Men, initiate. Men, engage. Start at home. If you're going to teach others in the church, start at home first. Let it be an outflow of your own life. So what does it look like? What does it look like in our practice? What should characterize our worship, both public and private, both individually and families and as the gathered church? Well, in general, I would put it this way. A startling boldness. A startling boldness. In Hebrews 4.16, a 
we read some awesome words. All the word is awesome. All of God's word is awesome. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There is a boldness that goes with that. It is not timidity. It is not fear. It is free. It is enthusiastic. It is entrance into God's presence all the time. We see it in Psalm 122, verse 1. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go. Let's do it. Boldness, though, is no excuse for acting arrogantly on any of our parts. The old hymn says this, we can come just as I am, just as I am. But it doesn't necessarily mean just as I like. (laughs) Jesus told a story about a wedding feast that people were invited to from the highways and the byways. And there was one man that was kicked out because he didn't wear the, the specified wedding clothing. There are certain conditions that must be met in our worship. Hebrews 10.22 gives it pretty clear. Let us draw near to God with what? A sincere heart. A sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. That's pretty clear. What else? It's a startling boldness, but it's also something else. I'm pretty old school, as you know. It's good old-fashioned Trust and obedience. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's two hymns so far today. I'm a hymn guy and a new song guy, either both. But I'll tell you what, good old-fashioned trust and obedience. That's a comfort food for the soul. Uh, Isaiah 26.3, I've been repeating that in my mind a lot this week just because of some, some struggles I'm having. And it, it, it says... The steadfast of mind, thou wilt keep in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. I've been clinging to that rock. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. So you can cast the anxiety upon him. I have trouble doing that. I quote that verse to myself all the time and I have trouble doing that. But we're to cast our cares upon God. I cast my care upon God and I still feel all tied up in knots. And I do it again. And I trust God to take it away. We've got to direct our minds to the unseen things like Colossians 3 talks about. Now if we worship God as a way of life, with everything we've got, it will be noticeable. Noticeable. Let me give you some specifics. At church... Right here, right now, together in God's presence. It's for God, not for us. As a group of leaders, we've, we've decided to kind of make that our, our, little, our goal. Remind ourselves it's, it's for God, not us. Yes, we benefit. Yes, we're blessed. But worship is, is directed at God. God's the focus, not us. And our culture of worship here at Grace must reflect this value. We want to reflect this value. We want to grow in our worship. So first and foremost, in our hearts and in our desire to do what we're made to do and then to give honor and praise to the one who gave us life and sustains that life. And a healthy church is one that can use the strengths of each generation as they work together to advance the purpose of the church. First and foremost, in worship. That's why I want all generations 
represented here in worship. I would never want to split out the generations. Do this kind of service and that kind of service because we all need to be together. Together. We find a balance as we come in together. I'm glad we worship together as families. I'm glad we worship together as multiple generations here. Because the younger ones need to catch from us what it means to worship God. The younger ones need to learn from us what it means to worship God. And we, not, we need not to be worried about our com- comfort level, which I know I do at times. But we need to worry about trusting and obeying God. Um, there's a, a little pamphlet at the uh, information kiosk, I believe it is. Uh, good word. Whoever coined that, I say thank you to you. I know who it is, but I'm not going to name them. Um, kiosk, it's a, it's a cool word. Um, but uh, there's a little pamphlet out there um, at the kiosk called... Uh, the Family Together in God's Presence. It was written by John and Noel Piper. And uh, I'd encourage you to get one of those if you want to get some real nuts and bolts about what it means to bring our youngest ones into worship with us because that's always the nervous time for moms and dads. I should know, okay? All right. So, now, one thing I will say that is this. I don't want... Um, you know I'm a big proponent of kids in worship. Seriously, I, I love all ages in worship. Babies all the way up to as old as someone is and still alive on earth. But I I don't want anyone to think that I want to force anybody to do that, okay? Uh, You've got to go as God leads. Do as God leads. So you may see my family in here each week. Well, now i got some sickies at home, so I've only got uh, three kids here today. But um, they're sick in their health. That's what I meant. Um, We're here as a family, right? But I don't want anyone to go, well, I guess that must be the expectation that everybody has to do that. No, do as God leads. Do as God puts on your heart. All I'm concerned about is that what we do, we do by conviction. Because of our convictions, because of faith. All right? Go look in Romans 13 and 14. It says, whatever is not of faith is sin. So I don't want to do something based not on a conviction just because it's easier or just because it's expected of me or whatever because that wouldn't be right. So do it out of your conviction. And... And God will be, will be pleased. I know it. Um, let's talk about at home. What does it look like at home? Uh, my house, pretty crazy um, and messy. Uh, it will look different in every household. Okay, this, this is the subjective part, right? So I throw out some ideas and you throw out some ideas and we share our ideas. Uh, come up with what works for you. But it's a daily time of acknowledging God and that's what I'm a proponent of. That every day you live a Deuteronomy 6 lifestyle. You acknowledge God. I will say, too, it's easier to acknowledge God out on the road and out on the field and all that when you're doing it in, an, in a planned out way at home. Okay? It just, it, I, I, by my own experience, I will tell you that. What it looks like at my house some days, again, most of the time messy. I don't mean, you know, the, I just mean our family times look messy at times. Sometimes it's uh, everyone in a different place in the house and I'm yelling out a prayer, you know, or we're doing... We're saying the Lord's Prayer or whatever. And we're scattering to all these places. Other times it's like, well, not like, it doesn't look like you right now. You look too good. <laughs> um, but at least we're in like a, some semblance of a seating arrangement. And there's a couple backflips going on. And sometimes an argument here or there. But we get into the Word. You know, we pray, read the Bible and pray. No brain surgery. Simple stuff. Okay? Um, we'll sing a song. We'll pray for you. Pray for me. So little things like that. Um, but as families, we need to point each other to Jesus. My kids teach me about Jesus. 
and I teach them. But they need to hear the word of God from my mouth. I, the Deuteronomy 6 thing you can't ignore. That our kids need to hear God's word from our mouth from their earliest age. From the womb. <laughs> There's something God does when a parent or family member reads God's word to another. There is something, God changes us as we read the word, yes, but there's something else, and I'm not sure what it is, but there's something that happens. Um, how about all the time, worshiping all the time, every opportunity, every moment? I will say this, if we don't acknowledge God's supremacy, if we don't acknowledge God's supremacy, then we're acknowledging our own by default. That's scary, I know. But it's a dependence versus an independence thing. Am I going independent of God or am I under God and saying, I need you? I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. Um, there is another little brochure I think we've got out there, uh, Daily Family Worship, if you need a little, couple little nuts and bolts on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. What hinders us? What hinders us from doing what God calls us to do? There's always challenges to the good things God wants in our lives, aren't, isn't there? Always challenges. Always roadblocks. Let me just point out two. First, unending distractions. Can you say amen to that one? Unending distractions in life. Good things that get in the way of the best thing. And we run into the Mary and Martha syndrome all the time in our lives, don't we? We've got to choose wisely, but it has to do with the way we live. And next week I want to talk to you more about that a bit, about our two busy lifestyles. I'll be exhibit A, okay? <laughs> um, uh, but I want to show you something, uh, a little visual here, that helps me in the way I think, okay? First is my life with the Lord Jesus, then my family, then the people I'm closest to in the body, my small group or whatever, then the church and the community and the world. And, and, and if, you look at, if you think of it just like that for a moment, what happens often is we leapfrog over our family unit to go minister to other people's families. And then what happens is there's a disconnect. And we wonder why we feel so disconnected because we haven't taken the time at home base. And so... If you think somewhat in concentric circles, that, and the things of the Christian life are to be engaged in, kind of as ripples go out, as a stone goes in and the ripples go out, uh, it just makes sense, at least to me it makes sense. But I'll tell you, many parents are simply providers of food, clothing, and shelter. And in a way, what's happened is, in many churches in America, it's, well, the church takes care of the spiritual aspect of things. And it's fostered by what we have, the individualistic mentality we have in our culture, as well as the specialist mentality and the uh, consumer mentality which is it's a product that i'm you know i'm signing my kids up for versus it's our life it's our life in christ okay and again i will point at guys like me pastors that perpetuate stuff like this um the church has taken often the primary role from some from families and they don't even re realize it because that's just what they've always been taught um though not always experientially true Family can and should be the most fertile ground for fulfilling the great command of loving God and the great commission of making disciples. Evangelism and discipleship. So my, my encouragement is don't leapfrog over your family to go minister to somebody else's. Do both, but don't ignore home base because I am not primarily called to shepherd your kids. You are. Okay? Um, now, there's something else that hinders us Short-sighted perspectives. Short-sighted perspectives. It's our mindset, the way we view things and think things ought to be. So I want to say a couple things about age-integrated, multi-generational life and ministry. And I don't want to pick on you, so I'm going to pick on myself. 
or people like me at least, okay, pastors and church leaders. I'm going to use an illustration that I've used for several years now when I speak on family ministry and when I usually at Talbot Seminary and at pastor's gatherings. So, but let me, I'll, I'll put it, it's the butcher and the cow illustration. When you see a cow, a picture of a cow, what do you see? You see a cow. But what does a butcher see when he looks at a cow? He sees all the parts chopped up. Now, what, do you, what does a pastor think, what do you see when you see a picture of a family? Well, beautiful family, obviously. Um, uh, but, but what does a pastor think? Now, again, before you see this next slide, I love all the ministries in the church. But what does a pastor see often when he sees a family? Well, he sees, ah, there's a man for the men's ministry, a woman for the women's ministry, youth for the youth ministry, children for the children's ministry, and it's chop them up. Instead of seeing them as a, uh, a, a household unit that needs to be reached for Christ even together at times. Now, to make sense of this a bit, um, instead of viewing households as interconnected units, we tend to view them as individuals who need the programs the church is offering. Uh, it's not a bad thing, okay? Not a bad thing. It's just incomplete. It's incomplete. It follows an assumption that to strengthen the whole, you need to strengthen the parts. That is foundational, but it doesn't go far enough. It assumes the family can take all the inputs it receives in all the different places, synthesize them, and make the Christian life work on a, on a daily basis. Give me a break. <laughs> we all know that's, that, that doesn't happen. Now, what What's the, 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 uh, the other side of the coin is that it's true also that to strengthen the parts, you need to strengthen the whole. You need both. So you need a balance of ministries where the, where the kids and the adults and everybody go separate. You need a balance of where everybody comes together. And we have some really good balances here at Grace. I will say, though, the church in general needs to find ways to bring families together, households together. Uh, at many churches, uh, families drive in the 2.5 cars it takes to get to church now, and then they scatter. They scatter to their different spots. And it's part of our westernized culture, I know, that is so individualized. But for too long, we've, we've focused on individuals. I'm picking on myself as a pastor. What happens is you've got like a pendulum swinging. You go all the way to that side. And as a knee-jerk reaction, some people go all the way to the other extreme. What I'm saying is, let it be a balance. Let it be a balance, because I think that's what we see in Scripture. We see a balance. So, uh, grace has a lot of areas that we can do, that we do this well, and others that we need to grow in. Um, Doing whatever we're talking about today, this worshiping together, does not guarantee an easy picture or an easy life, or a pretty picture, okay? Uh, It necessitates honesty amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of you, I know, have some pretty awful things going on in your life. Some that have happened to you, some that are self-inflicted. I know that. And so it's not pretty behind closed doors. We are here on, how, how many times have I said it? We're on our best behavior today. We're all, you know, looking good. We took our weekly shower and all that stuff. But I'll tell you what, um, I, I, yeah, I took like three the other day. I had to go to all these places. I had to change my clothes and do all these things. Anyway, um, but we're a family of families. We're a family of families in the body of Christ. We need our brothers and sisters. Okay? You don't have to tell everyone in the world what's going on in your life, but find someone who can, you, you can be close to and share. Like Pastor Ed was saying, don't just sit there and just not get connected. Get connected with people through the fun times, but also through the, the rough times. Um, We've got to wrap it up. Um, God has placed, I think you can tell, 
uh, God has placed a burden on my heart and, and a vision in my mind for this kind of ministry. And it, to me, it intensifies uh, as I keep living. But it's a burden to see the local church fulfill its role in the lives of families and households. And it's a vision of families growing together in Christ, deepening in their relationships with each other and with God, and trusting God to do in and through us what he wants to do. But in a multi-generational, intergenerational way, as often as we can. Uh, if, and for the glory of God. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the thing about getting off track and that for the person who loves Jesus, getting back on track is so simple. It's just movement towards God. Ah, it's worship, repentance. Uh, just movement towards God. Taking step towards God in his direction. Real quick, let me give you the benefits of what we're talking about. Benefits, the blessings of worshiping individually and families and as a church. It draws us nearer to God. It draws us nearer. We're focused all the time on what we're doing. But worship centers our attention on the ways and the works and the decisions of God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now some people reject us when we try to get close to them. But God, the creator of the universe, does not ever do that. He embraces us when we draw near to him. He draws near to us when we draw near to him. We are accepted in the beloved the last thing I want to say is this, the, gener- the younger generation learns. The benefit is the younger generation learns. They are looking to us for an example. They are looking to us for a pattern to follow. Um, look at Psalm 78 briefly. Psalm 78. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For God established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It's simple. It is such a simple process. And I think we've made life and church life many, many times so complex and confusing. And it's so simple. It is really so simple. Um, it's baseball season. It's baseball season. And a lot of people, there's our, our next door neighbor here at the church, every afternoon he's out there with his boy playing catch. Just playing catch. Ball and glove. Simple. But the younger generation, we are playing catch with them every day. You are being watched. We are being watched. They are watching us to see what does it mean to be a Christian? How do we respond when things go wrong? What does it mean to trust Jesus and walk with him? And it's playing catch. And we drop the ball sometimes or it sails over somebody's head sometimes. But they're catching from us what it means. They're catching from us. Uh, A few years back, um, oh, let me ask one question for you. What are our kids, grandkids, and others in the body catching from us in regards to worship? It's a good question for us to ask. And a few years back, VW had an ad campaign. It was Drivers Wanted. Remember that? Drivers Wanted, because they wanted you to buy a car and drive it, right? Well, think about this. they wanted to sell cars. God wants us to buy into his program, and it's basically worshipers wanted. Worshipers wanted. Jesus, in John chapter 4, he spoke of it very clearly. 
He was talking to the woman at the well. And he says in verse 21, Believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. But God is seeking worshipers of all ages, sizes, colors, and backgrounds. And it's not like buying a car. It'll cost you more. It'll cost us our life. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your presence with us, and we just pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, Lord, and and have us take away anything from this day that, that you deem necessary in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for, for your goodness. And we want to worship you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please stand with me. We're going to be dismissed. I just want to say one thing. Uh, remember to get your angels tickets for the game this Friday. And some of us will be down here for anybody who needs prayer for any reason. So God bless you. Have a great day.